morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You want to follow me there on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, so that means it's, uh, it's Toss-Up Tuesday. Why not? Toss-Up Tuesday. There's not much going on, right? We got showdown yesterday uh, for NFL. We got the prices out, salaries out for, for uh, the Sunday NFL slate. I mean, it's a pretty... Pretty slow, pretty slow midweek now with the with the NFL and everything. There's no soccer. There's no soccer today. No Champions League. That's next Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's a toss-up. I'm tossing it up to the YouTube chat. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we'll talk about it. And if you don't put in anything to talk about, then it's going to be a pretty short show, okay? So I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Anthony Golding, Lyria Life Pitcher, Max Coach, Sterling Woods, Suki Singh, Eric Hill-Cole, Daniel Hutchings, Con Campbell, EOW2389. That's obviously someone's license plate. Uh, Jerome Lewis, and yeah, I see, I see you guys here. I see you guys here. Give me those thumbs up. Give me the thummy thumbs in the morning. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when you go live. And Max Coach once said, I was only two players away from slinging a million with 166 other players last night in showdown. You shouldn't have played the lineup then. You shouldn't have played it. I never mind. I never mind losing in showdown to a lineup that splits 241 ways. In, in what's supposed to be a million to first and everyone gets 6,000 bucks, okay? I know in results DB, it doesn't show it. It always screws up some of these ties or whatever. It's not 11,412, it's 6,000. I think it was 6,099, 25 or something like that. Uh, I'm just never going to play those lines. I'm just like, it, it, what, the reason why I don't mind is because like I would have never gotten to that lineup because I'm not going to play a lineup that has this much ownership and zeros out. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm, there's, there's, no, there's nothing for me to fret about, right? When it's a lineup that wins, you know, there's a three-way tie up top and it's like, I could have gotten there. Like, okay. Then it's like, oh, okay. There, there was a chance for me to win some money, right? But like, no, like I'm never, I'm never going to build these types of lineups. I played 15 lineups yesterday. On Mondays and Thursdays, I, I it, doing the, the pre-lock show, it's kind of hard for me to make like a hundred, you know, like that. Cause a lot of times I'm doing it like when inactives come out at six 50 and then I got to prepare for a show at seven 20. So I got a half an hour. So a lot of times I just, I did 15 lineups. I played 15. I played the $33 one. And then I threw those lineups also into, into the, 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 the bit large field and the play action, knowing that they're probably going to be a little bit more duplicated because for the field size in the $33 one, you, I mean, you still you want to be unique, but you don't have to be like like not so not so. Uh, so so I built a bunch of lineups for that. I mean I, I lost money, but I mean everyone in the long run, if a lineup that's split two hundred forty one ways in the large field, one hundred ninety seven thousand entry, like everyone loses money. There's like there's the basically basically the basically DraftKings made money in the long run and not not anyone else. I mean it depends on the type of contest. Uh, for this size contest, you shouldn't be playing these types of lineups. But yeah, in the single entry, a solo solo winner, right? 1,112. Okay, yeah, there there you go. I don't mind that lineup in the in the spy, right? I played a lot. My line lineup in the spy, I, I love the way I play. I, I should be up here. No, no, I didn't cash in the spy, right? I played a single entry lineup out of my 15 and uh, got the Cephas touchdown, had Aaron Jones. 
had Aaron Rodgers, had 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 all these guys other than you know my captain was Alan Lazard, but whatever. And he gave me didn't even get a target. Didn't even my captain didn't even get a target. I played that. So I, I like being a little bit more contrary. But I had Aaron Jones line. Yeah, I, I, most most of my lineups were like Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard. I had some Swift. I mean, AJ Dillon didn't do much. Right. But I just looked at Slate IQ. Slate IQ, you know, was was high on uh, running back one, running back two, wide receiver three. Right. Those types of lineups, wide receiver three, you know, like the secondary wide receivers, tight ends. So there you go. I mean, it's a four, t- it's a four two. I was building primarily three threes. So it's like, okay, there, there's the lineup. But I can understand playing a zeroed out lineup with no no players that are under t- like 10% owned or whatever in a contest like the spy with, with 1000 entries. When we come to, a, to almost 200,000 entries, like you're, you're just not going to win often enough that when you get, when you do win and you split it 241 ways, it's, it's, it's impossible to be profitable long-term. It's impossible. We take a look. I mean, we can scroll down, scroll down. Can we go to the net? What, what's the second play? Techn, technically the second place line. Let's see, let's see if we could find that. Okay, well, okay, 1046, and here's the next one, which was tied, what, how many ways? 10 ways, 10 ways. So you have Hawkinson in there and Cobb with Jones as the captain. So 10-way tie, that's at least, that's a much better lineup. I much I would have much rather had this lineup than the 241 split one. Then underneath that, we have a one at 242. How many, how many, how many way tie was this? 149. 242, 242, 20, 24-way tie, right? I mean, the truck got there. I mean, when you have Jones, Rogers, Adams, they all get there. I mean, it's going to be hard to be unique. I mean, what's the next biggest, like the most, most unique lineup that we could find that didn't get there? I mean, I think it's going to be hard to find. 140, oh, this one was duplicated a ton. 144.79. This was duplicated a ton. Jones and Captain. Rodgers, both quarterbacks, Tanyan, Cephas, Amaran Save. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're playing all, look, look at the ownership of all these guys. This is going to be majorly duped. 144.79, Let's see how duplicated this one. Oh, still decently duplicated, but not as much as the, not, not as much as first place. So this one has A.J. Dillon in it. Okay. But still like, just like nothing. 140. Let's let's keep on going. 160. Oh, here's one. Here's one. I see two. Only two. See, now we're getting to some uniques. Right? 143.65. Only twice. Leaving 800 on the table. Yeah, with Equinemia St. Brown. So here you go. Here with the 1% owned. He actually got a point, right? He got a catch for like no yards or something. So yeah, this one could have gotten there. Like I much rather would have had this line. Right, yeah, it didn't get there, but I you'd have shot it what six hundred thousand dollars with that lineup. Let's see, one for forty-three point five. Here's a double, just just two lineups. This is because it's leaving twenty-two hundred on the table. Like you take, you first took take a look at this lineup. It was only duped twice, and you go Jones, Rogers, Hawk, Tanya, and Cephas Benson. And you go, really? I mean, like you look at the ownership, and you go, well, that seems like a like it should be Duke more. No, well, it's leaving 2,200 on the table, right? So you still get it, this combination of players was, was lower. So this, 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 had, this had a chance at 
at $600,000. Here's a completely unique, 143.45. Kylan Hill, see, there you go. And he did, he did got, he got eight rushing yards, right? Garbage time at the end of the game. Imagine he breaks one, right, in garbage time and he goes to the house like this. There you go, million dollar winner. Much rather have this lineup, leaving 800 on the table. 143.39, let's go here. Okay, this is only a one, two, three, four, five, six way, six way dupe, leaving 1800 on the table. See, look, take a look. Still similar combination of players that were in the, 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 the winning lineup, but you leave eight, you leave more money on the table and you get you reduce your duplication so much. Let's see, the 142.65, that looks like heavily duped. 142.65. Yeah, this one was duped a lot. Decently. Yeah, with Mercedes Lewis zero in it. Okay. 142.05. 141.89. I'm trying to find like uniques. 141.25. Let's see. Keep on going. Can we go any further? I don't. I don't even. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure if we could go further on Results TV. You'd have to download the CSV. I think. I think we're done. I think it won't let me go any further. Or, or, or it's borked. Or it's done. We done. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see if we could do this again. Contest. Okay. Let's see. Let's see if we can get there. Yeah, I think it stops at the five, a certain amount of entries or whatever. Or is that the cash line? I have no idea. I have no idea. I usually, I, I don't look through it like this. I, you just look directly at the CSV and you can see. But yeah, you should be playing, if you're playing the large field, remember, if you're playing the single entry stuff, you're playing the smaller field stuff, sure, okay. I mean, this lineup was still like here. This is 139 lineup. This was duplicated one, two, three, four times in the, the SPY. Jones, Adams, Rogers, Packers, defense, Cephas, Brown. Okay. I mean, you still want to avoid duplication no matter what. But with only a 1,000 entries, you're less likely to be duplicated, even using all of your salary. All right, here's a double duplication, right? You don't, I mean, you don't have to go nuts. You'll still see some lineups that are that are decently duplicated. One, two, three. Obviously, with the $20,000 first prize, like the more you duplicate, I mean, the less you're spending $100, you get a, a five-way dupe or something, then, you know, you're, you're significantly more uh, cutting down your EV as opposed to a, you know, a million dollar to first, a hundred thousand to second type of thing where you're aiming for first. That's duped five times. Like you're making a little over $200,000. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't, from raw, a raw money perspective, I don't mind. But if you, if you split this, you know, five ways, it's we're talking about uh, you know what like what 30 40 8000 bucks or something which is not I mean horrible but that's like that's like coming in third place 2010 6 3 I think it was I don't know what the splits are here it shows how important from a long term profitability perspective if you just played one lineup for 15 bucks and you you got the 6000 bucks in the whatever I know you're probably happy but if you played that slide out a hundred times, a thousand times, you're going to lose money. You're going to lose money in the long run doing that. Going through the YouTube chat. 
Daniel Hutchins says, I come to the conclusion that there are some showdown contests not worth max entering. If the playout structure is flat enough and the max multiple you get paid for max entering is small enough, it's probably not worth it. Uh, for example, at $33 with 105 max entries and 10K top payout. Yeah, that I mean, right? why would you max that out? Because I, I typically, I mean, it's, it's an estimate. I only put, I, I mean, I aim for, doesn't mean I always do it. Like whatever 10th place is, like I don't put, well, obviously showdown's a little bit different because you're kind of aiming for, for who cares about 10th place. But 10th place determines like how much, how much money am I willing to invest, invest in entries? So like the slant, for instance. Well, the slant, I mean, the slant, like I think uh, 10th place pays $2,000. So to max enter the slant at $9, right? We're talking about $12.50, right? Or uh, $13.50. Well, 10th place is $2,000, so I don't mind, right? But sometimes we have these bat flips, the $18 bat flip in MLB. 10th place is, is $750. Bucks. It's like, so I, I'm not going to enter more than like, what? 45 lineups, 50 lineups? It gets to the point where the payout structure is, is too top heavy that it's almost it's unsustainable. Or the first place isn't top heavy enough. Right? If it's too flat, like if it's too top heavy or too flat. That's why some people I see the maxing the mini max when they pay 10% the first. I think that's I think that's wrong to do. Where the first place is a thousand bucks and it's a dollar entry. And you can pay 150 bucks or something like that. It's like, yeah, when you bink, you're not, you're not, you're not getting that big. You're not getting that big of a payday in relation to the amount of money that you put in. Doesn't mean you can't. Doesn't mean it's not plus EV. It just means that you're you're increasing your variance like to the point of stupidity. Uh, Ricardo Ray says, I'm finding out that dupes is better than not cashing by trying to be too cute. Uh, that would be incorrect, Ricardo. Your goal in GPP is not to cash. Your goal in GPP is to win. To win, to win first. All the equity in these contests are on the top. You're not going to be good enough to cash often enough to make money just cashing. No one is that good enough. The best player, the best DFS player in the world is not good enough to cash often enough to beat the rake uh, with the current payout structures the way they are, okay? There are probably instances if the payout structures were flatter at the top and, and narrower at the end, so they only paid like 15% of the field. Like they paid 15%, and if you got to 15%, you got like 3x, they did something like that, then, then it could be possible. But given the current payout structure and the rake in DFS, just cashing, cashing at the 25 to 22, 20 to 25th percentile line, you know, up there, the, the, whatever you want to put, the top 20, 25th percentile line, uh, you're not, you're, you're not going to get there often enough. So, so no. Just to put things into perspective, Ricardo, okay? I've played, I don't know, I've, I've probably played over the past three years, 
in NFL at least, right? Because I mean, I guess NBA, I've played NBA showdown before, but let's just say I've played a hundred, a hundred NFL showdowns. Ladies. Okay. I've lost on like 97, 96 of them. Right. But I, I've, I've made over a hundred thousand bucks. Okay. So the point isn't to cash. The point is to play to win, build plus EV lineups to win. And then wait and then try to survive long enough so, so you get the wins, right? Manage your bankroll. I have two show, I have two showdown units that weren't that duplicated. You know, six, I think one was one was six way and one was four way. And there you go. That's it. All the all these other slates, you lose money, right? Sometimes I play the single entry, sometimes I play smaller field stuff in addition that kind of evens it out a little. But no, I know right before I know before the slate starts whether or not I would I'm I'm I did well, like not results wise, process wise. Once the slate locks and you download the CSV and you go, okay, how many how many times is my lineup duplicated? Each of my lineups duplicated. If it, if the numbers are way too high, I go, okay, this, this sucks. Doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't doesn't even matter what happens. Do that in MMA. And I'm not someone that goes for like every lineup has to be unique. Like I'll play MMA. I'll play a 150 in MMA. I think this last, this last slate, I, I 150, I think I had 54 uniques out of 150. But like, like I had like 70 of them that were under five. So like, I like, it doesn't have to be one, like under five, under 10. I judge it by that. I just don't want any, I don't want 30 way, 40 way, 50 way stuff. 100 way. I, I mean, that's obvious. I'm typically not even getting there. If I'm getting lineups that are duped 100 times in MMA, it's because I made a mistake, right? Not because I intended on doing that. Right, Michael Dompey says, per the DFS Facts Twitter, which is a good account to follow, at DFS Facts. Uh, they stopped going after the, they, they, stopped after, they stopped after going through the top 50 RG players because not one of them made a profit from the showdown last night. Yes, when there's a 251-way high in the large field gpp right no one makes money like that's a slate that if you if we take a look we go through the line of the 241 way split if you go through it you're not you're you're not gonna you go to the, the top 50 in the rg rankings you're not gonna find anyone in there you're not gonna find anyone i mean i i, I look through i'm like okay well who, who are the schmucks that made this line Right, you'll see. Okay, oh, look, I won. You can go on Twitter, and people, you know, oh, look, look what I did, look what I did, and as I call it, it's, it's just broadcasting your own stupidity. Playing a two hundred and fifty-one way dupe, forty-one way dupe lineup with full salary. So I look through, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't recognize any of these people. Right, I'm just like going through. It's like, nope, I don't, I don't see. I mean, how many 150 maxers, which tend to be the sharper players, right? You don't have to, but like I said, you don't have to max 100, but I don't, right? So here we go. There's one 150 maxer. There's another one, but I mean, I don't know who they are. There's third and schlong. Okay, but he's more of a cash player. So we've got two, three, four, four, five, six. I still don't recognize who they are. Six, seven, eight. Eight, eight, eight. We got eight. Yeah, eight. Right. 
And if you even take a look at some of the ones that are duped underneath here, I mean, you don't even see, I mean, you don't see, I mean, we're, it's the your usual suspects, the guys that like we, we're studying most of the time. I take a look through and like, where, where are, where are these, where are these people? Right. They're, they're not even there. Right. Because why are you playing lineups? They're going to be so heavily duplicated. I mean, that just, it's just, it's simple. Good players are going to lose on those slopes. Okay. And that, why do you think I don't mind? Like, oh, great. Okay. Let's. Let the people that make dupes make, get some money. Well, win it back next slate. Perfectly fine. I'm never going to get to that lineup. So there's no, nothing for me to be upset about. Oh, I could have gotten it. Who cares? Right. Daniel says that's the genius of Showdown, though. A nice like yesterday, only the casuals make money. That happens a fair bit in Showdown. Yes. That's why I don't, why do you think I don't mind? People feel, oh, you you said telling me you wouldn't rather have the 6,000? No, I, I wouldn't because that means I'm playing bad. Now on that given slate, if I knew, if I knew that, that that was the result, if I had a, if I had a crystal ball and I knew exactly, of course, I'd make 150 lineups of that lineup, right? Of course, but you don't play with, that wouldn't be playing well, right? If you see me make 150 of that same lineup duplicated 150 ways to now make it a 390 weight tie, that means I screwed up the C, it's left a dummy lineup in it, or I'm from the future. Like, other than that, you're playing bad. The goal in DFS long-term is to play well, and the money will come. So seeing that uh, not no one I really recognize is in that split bink, like, just highlights the fact that well, good players don't play those types of lineups. You have to get outside of this one slate mentality. One, the one slate mentality is, is, is the worst. You'll never grow having a one slate mentality, right? Because people will look and go, okay, one slate mentality. They'll go to, like, let's go to yesterday. Let's go to Sunday. I'll go to, they'll, go, they'll go to the Millie, right? One slate mentality. I'm going to go to the winning lineup in the Millie. I'm going to go, okay, Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Lockett, Derek Henry. Cooper Cup, Rondell Moore, Cardinals defense, Marvin Jones, and go, oh, okay, maybe playing the quarterback and this together, and they're trying to analyze something here. If I only did that type of thing to make this one lineup, not realizing the fact that, like, like just play good lineups. Oh, since this one lineup won, I should have, I should, I should have played, I should have played Derek. I mean, the main thing is should have should have played Derek Henry. At seven percent ownership, should you have? I mean, that don't judge it by the results. Judge it by what was the strategic decision beforehand. And if you made those strategic decisions over and over and over and over again, would you be profitable? And if you take a look, you go to you go to and study the top players, the players that are the most profitable long term. Not talking about flashes in the pan, long term guys. And are you making similar decisions to them? And if you if you barely had any Derrick Henry on Sunday, you were in line with 90% of the people that, that make the most amount of money in DFS, okay? So which side do you want to be on? If you had the opportunity, this is what I ask, when people, you know, like yesterday's showdown slate, I'm like, I'd rather have the $6,000 or something, right? I'd rather duplicate and cash than not cash at all. I go, do you want to trade 
uh, the past five years' results with any of the guys in the top of their RG rankings. With me, would you would you trade five six years worth of results with me? And most people would say most people would say yes. I said okay. Well, I didn't play this line. I, I mean, like I didn't play that line that in showdown. I didn't play any of these duplicated, heavily duplicated lineups in showdown. But do that over and over again. You you want to win at showdown? I've won at showdown. But understand, you can only you're going to play 97 times out of 100 and lose, and three times you're going to win. Hopefully, in the three times you make enough money. But in showdown, you're aiming for first, so it tends to be a lot of money. So instead of thinking of what should I have done on that one slate, think in terms of what should I be doing on a thousand slates over the course of a three to four year period? Am I building lineups similar to guys that have been profitable for five plus years? That that's to me, that's the simplest way to judge. Just go through results DB and go, uh, fine, go to the Roto Grinders rankings, the top 50 or whatever. And to find those guys, to find those players and say, what, what types of lineups are they building? They're all not going to build the same exact thing on every slate, but I built like this. Is there any, is, uh, what was the consensus? Oh, this guy went this way. This guy faded that guy, but went the other way. And you look through and it's like you played X, Y, and Z that like no one made any strategic decision. You, you have 48% of the guy that, 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 that almost no one has. And you decided to play this construction that like no one else in the, no one, no respectable player did. You're probably screwing up. You probably did something wrong. No matter if you won or lost, if you won doing that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't even mean, oh, you're good. And all these 50, 100 guys are bad, right? On that one slate, sure, you, 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 got, you got lucky on that one slate. But is that, is that sustainable long-term? Probably not. Oh, uh, let's see. Hog Lawrence said, I went through about eight or nine sharper players in the Excel download last night to see how well they did at avoiding dupes. Most were pretty good. A couple were rather amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't go through, I didn't go through other players. I mean, like I said, I played 15 lineups. I wasn't, I wasn't as concerned with, with duplicates being that I was playing the $33 contest and I just threw them in. I'm like, like, I, if I'm going to play 15 lineups into this, why not just, uh, you know, all into that and all into the play action, just whatever it is, it is, right? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure my 15 lineups were, were, uh, were not unique. I'm not sure if they were heavily duplicated. Maybe my, no, I don't even think my Jones lineup, I'm looking at my little sheet here. Probably my Jones lineup weren't, but they could have been duped like maybe 20 times in the, in the large field, something like that. <sighs> Paul Adair said, LOL, I played 1% Lazard at captain, took nearly last in my 600-person single entry. I'd actually, I almost cashed in the single entry with Lazard captain because of why? Because I had everyone else right. So I had Rogers, I had Jones, I had Goff, I had Cephas, and I had someone else. Another line. It was a 3-3 line. So I had zero from my captain, but I got like all the, po I got like all the points in my flex. So I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm sitting there like 15 points behind the cash line with like a zero at captain, which is fine. If I have 1% on captain and single entry, I'll take it. One long pay instead of Devontae Adams and, you know, one long pass to Alan Lazard, 
50 yard touchdown or something, then I'm in, I'm in business. He, he ended up getting no targets. He had plenty of snaps though. Look at MVS, MVS, MVS got like five targets, no catches, right? So he got a zero. That you could feel more worse about. And Alan Lazard didn't even, he had a good block, right? On one of the Aaron Jones's touchdowns. That's about it. You don't get points for that. Uh, Mr. Hellreal 14, what was wrong with the Henry Lockett correlation? There's nothing wrong with it. Most sharp players in uh, on Sunday slate didn't play Henry. Right? Like if you're thinking, and, and Gronk definitely, it's 17% owned. Obviously, it's paired with Brady. So, yes, Brady, Gronk, Fournette. I mean, yes, this isn't a bad lineup. No, it's not. But don't, don't go. The point that I'm making is not, oh, this is a bad lineup. It shouldn't be one. It's like there's no point in studying this lineup because you're not going back to play this slate. Oh, yeah. Obviously, if we knew that Derrick Henry's putting up 50 points, you should have played. Everyone should have played. Okay. Why didn't we? But you don't know that. So you go, you go here, you go study sharp players. You don't study the top lineup. You study sharp players. So if you want to gain something, obviously don't just look at individual players. You want to look at lineups. But you get a sense of how they're constructing by just looking at this. I mean, you look at Chipotle attic. I mean, obviously very condensed. Some of, some of these guys play very condensed sets. Go to Hog Lawrence. He's in the chat, right? We go here. We go to Awesome O, right? Take a look at a bunch of these people, right? You go through. I slew with you. He's he's good. Baranosaurus is good. JBC. I mean, a lot of most of the one fifties. Sometimes you could use them as a group. Like you get some Excel widgets, Dre. You can make it like all of the one fifty matchers as a group, and then see what that. That is, and compare it to the field. Royal Pain, Brick 75. Let's just go through. I mean, I'm just picking cheese. Here's cheese. There's cheese down there. Sammy Knoll, he's good. TJ is fine. I mean, just, you know, Felix. Oh, okay. I mean, just take a look. Just go, go across the board. Right. Just look in general. Michael Thomas. When did this happen? Oh, okay. Why did I see Michael Thomas up here? Okay. So now I'm going to go to Henry. Come on. Okay. Derek Henry. Okay. Zero, eight, zero, 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 one, two, less than one, 12 for cheese. Zero, one, five. Okay. So if you faded Derek Henry on Sunday, But so did like some of the best the best players in DFS, right? I mean, like, so if you're just going by that one decision, well, in general, I mean, like, look, we had people that had zero, like not even one line out of 150 that had Derrick Henry. I bet you I could pull up another 10 and it'll be look pretty much the same also. So what can you learn by like, by staring in a lineup, by, what, by the winning lineup? Leonard Fournette, he was also in. I played some Leonard Fournette. Zero, nine, two, 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 eight, 
I mean, there's a little sum, but a lot of zeros, a lot of, a lot of nothings. If we take a look at Gronk. Obviously, he's playing Brady, so I get it. Most were under. I'm assuming I slew foot you and Felix over here had a lot more Brady stacks. Like if you had Brady stacks, if you had a lot of Brady exposure, you would have Gronkowski. Okay, I get that. So Felix and I slew foot you. Let's take a look at the Brady exposure. 30%, 20, 24%. But of course, Chipotle Attic had 50. Chipotle Attic had a very condensed pool. So I, it's hard to go by what he did because he just kind of built, like it seems like he built, you know, five core players and then just rotated a whole bunch of other stuff. Who hasn't been that active in MLB either. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the, the, the Burrito Brothers. But this is how you should study what, what, what people are doing, right? I mean, Royal Payne is playing 100%, 100%. What happened here? He played 100% CeeDee Lamb, 100% Cooper, 100% Allen. Did he just put his cash lineup in? Dak Prescott, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it looks like Royal Payne just said screw it and uploaded pretty much a cash lineup for all of his lineups. Right, see Chris Carson. Take a look at Chris Carson across the board. Like, like all this blue, all this blue. Over, 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 everyone is Carson, Carson, Carson. He was lucky to get there with the two touchdowns. So if you're like, I play David Montgomery over Chris Carson, right? And you take a look at, at across the board. And he's like, well, well, if you played a lot of David Montgomery over Chris Carson, like you did the opposite of most sharp players in large field GPPs. Doesn't matter if David Montgomery went for 40 points, it would still wouldn't have changed that. You look and like, who are players that I would I would not mind changing my my career results with their career results? Well, take a look at what they do. Seemed like no one had a problem jamming in Carson. You could look at tons of them. I mean, I just brought up a whole bunch, but I mean, that's what results DB is here for. It's free. You don't even need to be a Roto Grinders premium. Right, a lot of people are under on Allen, but some it depended on if you were using this game as a pivot or using the running backs as a pivot. If you're like low or high on uh, Najee Harris, depending on your lineup construction. So I get it. When Hog Lawrence has zero percent Allen, I get I get why. I was under on Allen also. That's how you learn. But most people, I would say, ninety nine percent of people that play DFS. Once the slate is over, they move on to the next slate. People are already talking about running back salaries for Sunday. It's Tuesday. You have all the time in the world. How are you going to learn to play better without reflecting on what just happened? And not on the calls that you make. Oh, I got that guy right. It's like, no, how did you build lineups in comparison to sharp players? In comparison to what you think the ownership is going to be. Oh, I played a ton of so-and-so because I thought I thought he was going to be low-owned, and it turns out he's higher, right? If you played Jamar Chase in the Millie on Sunday, right, based on this, thinking that he'd be 8% owned, and he turns out to be 18% owned, well, then you screwed up. doesn't matter what he did. Right, if you played Eli Mitchell thinking he'd be under the radar and he's 15% owned, then, then you screwed up. doesn't matter what he did. 
But if you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fade, I'm gonna fade, you know, some someone, I'm gonna fade Kenyon Drake because he's gonna be 20% owned, and then he turns out to be six percent owned, and you screw it up also. You thought you were getting leverage by fading Drake, and in fact, you weren't. You actually he was low, it was low owned. Right. So judging your decisions versus the actual ownership that comes in for the contest. Like that's what you should be learning from. How to make better decisions, not how to predict the future, because no one could do that. Yes, if I could predict the future, I'd have the Derrick Henry lineup on Sunday. But I can't. I can only I can only weigh my decisions versus the decisions of people that make a lot of money. And I make I make money playing DFS. So like judges versus my decisions versus this guy's decisions versus that person's decisions. Doesn't matter what the results are. Let's see. I played a bunch on Koch. I played a bunch of MBS, but none of the sharp guys I looked at had much of him. I was okay with it, given the opportunities he had at low ownership. Okay, that's it's showdown. It's showdown. You can play almost anyone in showdown. I thought MBS was a little too high price and be higher owned than Lazard, but it's showdown. You can't, sometimes you, you can't even go by like who to play in showdown, like that type of. You have to look at the constructions. How many duplicates? Like if you had played a ton of MBS, if you had fifty lineups on on the showdown yesterday and played uh, Valdez, Stans, Scantlin, and all of them, and they were all unique, then then you did a good job. Right. Don't go go by the amount, go by the duplication factor more in showdown than than you know the specific players versus sharper people. Who cares? You have duplicated lineups that at least have guys in the game. Obviously, if you played Tyrell Williams, that was out. Obviously, you have less duplicated lineups, but you almost have no shot at winning. Kurt and Linda Makinich. What happened to Pokey777 on FanDuel? I I have no idea. Who is Pokey7777? Anyone know what happened to Pokey? Are they missing? Do we have to send out a report? Do we have to put them, put, put, put them, put whoever that is on a milk carton? I don't know. What happened? What happened to Pokey? <laughs> I don't know. Who's Pokey777? Is that like a weird username of someone that I should know? I mean, I, I don't play GPPs on FanDuel that much. I mean, I played MLB. But I don't know. I don't know Pokey. I don't know Pokey. Seven, 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 seven. Whatever. So what else you got for me, YouTube chat? It's toss-up Tuesday. Remember, if you're not going to toss stuff stuff in the YouTube chat, it's going to be a it's going to be a shorter show today. Right? What else is there to do on a Tuesday? We're still learning from the past slates, waiting to see what's going to happen this week. We got showdown on, on Thursday. Panthers, Panthers who? Texans, right? We got that. We got we got uh, MMA. Uh, we have a UFC pay per view card. Okay, so we could talk about that on Friday. We got some soccer stuff coming up, right? right tomorrow, tomorrow we could look a little bit more more about uh, you know what's going to happen on the the main slate, week three slate a bit more. Some salary stuff, but uh, but I mean that's that's what the show is. We talk about we talk about strategy on this show, DFS strategy. And that's why on Tuesday I toss it up to you in the YouTube chat. So give me those, give me those thumbs up. Give me the thummy thumbs. Give me the subscribe button. Give me the subscribe button. Give me the notification bell. We got what? We got the uh, grinders live later 
later, later, later today, right? We still got baseball going on, right? I'm not playing it. All I know is that the, there was some 2K guy yesterday, uh, Siri, leadoff home run. Like, like that's why I don't play baseball, right? Have the, the most owned, you know, underpriced guy in the slate hit a leadoff home run, right? That's why I got rid of it. Just uh, play everything. So we're gonna end, end, NBA coming up, uh, what, a month from now or so? We got preseason. We play preseason NBA. And Alan Lem will be uh, into that in, in our Discord. But, uh, but yeah, so sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Get uh, ten dollars off uh, your your first uh, your first month for signing up there, Mister Hellreal fourteen. Can I see a few of your lineups from Sunday? You could go into results deep. You could see all of them. I played one fifty into the slant. I played a whole bunch of single entry stuff also. So just go to results db, like I'm showing you here. Here's the nine dollar slant. Right, you go to ownership. It'll load. There's a lot more people in this contest. Let's go. Come on. He could do it. Is this, are they updating it currently? Sometimes it gets slow when they're updating. Okay. It's, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Right? And you type in my username. And then you could just, okay, let's go. I already got it there. Yeah, they must be updating it in the background. Typically, it's never, typically, it's not this slow. Come on, I just had it there. Blender, come on, give it to me. Okay, there you go. Click on the checkbox and you see all my exposures. Right. Najee Harris, Chris Carson, Stefan Diggs. I had a lot of the builds, right? Diggs, Beasley, Waddle, Edmonds, Brady, Harris, Eckler. I mean, you could, you could, you could do this yourself. Go through and you look. Right. If you took a look at my running back exposure, right, you can see here. I had a little bit of Kamara, a little bit of Chubb, a little bit of McCaffrey, a little bit of Fournette, Drake, Javante Williams, Mixon, Montgomery, Elliott, Henderson, Eckler. A lot more Eckler and Elliott because I wasn't playing as much of the, the Cowboys Chargers passing game. And a lot of Ed, I had a lot of, uh, you know, obviously the chalk running backs and then cheaper, cheaper running backs to fit into. You know, Josh Allen stacks, Murray stacks, Tom Brady stacks, stuff like that. Like I, looking through my exposures, I, I probably should have done well, other than the fact that I had zero Derrick Henry, right? If Derrick Henry puts up six points, I would have made a lot more money on Sunday. <laughs> That's about it, right? So you can look through results DB and you can, you can see that. Go to rotogrinders.com slash results DB. You can look at all of my lineup. Oh, let's see. Raul, the answer is probably lineups, not players. Okay, that's you're probably going to be right. But the leverage of high-owned wide receiver is to play running back. But on teams where running back is part of the passing game, that running back can be stacked with quarterback plus wide receiver also. How do you approach? It depends on the lineup. Obviously, you could, you could probably play Murray plus Edmonds. On any of the uh, running backs that could catch five plus balls like Herbert plus Eckler, you could do that. You're probably you're probably not playing uh, uh, Nick Chubb with Baker Mayfield for that. And how do you approach it? You approach it on an individual basis, depending on the lineup. Just like you would anything else. 
And the higher the team scores, the more points the team scores, the more that the quarterback and running back are actually correlated to each other. The team puts up 60 points. It's yeah, The running back could run the ball in three times and the quarterback could throw the ball five, four times into the end zone, right? So the higher the score gets, the more correlated quarterback and running back gets, even if they're not a pass catcher. We saw that with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry last year. But that's correlated to the score, the, the, the team's total. Not the, they, not the implied total, the actual, what actually happens in the game. So you may look and you go like, how do you play? How do you play a plotting running back with their quarterback? Well, if the team scores 50 points, right? Daryl Henderson had a, I mean, he would have had a much better game if he didn't get injured in the fourth quarter. But him and Cup, you played Stafford, Henderson, Cup, even though like Henderson got like one catch. That was fine. They were putting up enough points. Imagine they, they put up another touchdown or two, then, 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 they're all, then they're all fine if they put up that many points. If the game's 21-17, probably not. not their 90th percentile, their 80th, 90th percentile outcomes are not correlated with each other. Their 50th, 60th percentile results, sure, okay, yeah. That's, that's not going to cut it in GPP. That's why it's on an individual basis. I'm probably not likely to stack the quarterback running back and wide receiver of a team that has an implied total of 70, right? Now, I sure, they could score. They could score 48, but it's much less likely to score 48 than a team with a 28 implied total, right? I'm more likely to play Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, and Tyler Lockett together, right? The Seahawks or, or the Buccaneers or the, the Chiefs teams that typically have high implied totals and then play the running back in those, in those types of stacks. So regardless if they're passing or cat, they do whatever. They're more likely to put up a lot more points. That's it. Ceilings come from touchdowns primarily. So you want, you want the teams that are scoring going to score the most touchdowns, most likely. Uh, Uncrabby cabby. After reviewing the lineups in the single entry tournaments from FanDuel from Sunday, uh, I'm beginning to question the importance of correlation as it pertains to single entry. Actually, it probably is important more in single entry. You have to understand levers. I, I'll, I'll repeat this for the 874th time. There are three levers in DFS, okay? There are three. Projection, correlation, and leverage, Okay. There are three levers. Projection is who median wise, who's going to do the best, right? Right. This running back, Najee Harris projects for a 20 point median, right? This guy projects for a 14 point median, right? So if we ran this line, we ran this laid out a million times, the guy with the 20 is going to outscore the guy with the 14 more often than not by this amount, by some amount. Okay. So that six point difference, you could, if you go, well, the guy that has a 20 point projection is going to be 50% owned. And the guy with 14 point projection is going to be 1% owned. If you play this guy that's below him, he's going to still, he's going to outscore this other guy more than 1% of the time, more than the difference. They should be 50 times more different, differently owned. So to make up those six points in projection, if you're going to play the other guy, if you're going to play the first guy, that means you're you're jamming the projection lever up. You go, okay, I'm just going to play the, be the best projection. 
not care about ownership. Leverage is the caring about ownership. So you're like, okay, I'm going to lower my projection by six points, but I get a ton of, ton of ownership discount, ton of leverage by doing so, right? And then correlation is like, well, if this 1% own guy does well, it's more likely that this other guy across from him in the other game, in the, whatever game he's in, and that guy's, let's say, 15%, who cares at that point? And you're like, well, if I play the guy that's correlated to that guy, like who else could I play instead of that guy? Just for a random guy, right? So the correlated play, let's say his projection is 18 points. And you go, okay, if I play the correlated play to that 1% owned guy, it's 18 points. There's another guy that's here that projects for 19, right? So is the one point worth it? That's what you have to ask yourself. So that's the correlation lever. Would you rather, you're already giving up six points on projection before. Let's say, let's say the, the guy that's correlated is 15 points, but there's another guy that's projected in the same price, same everything for 20 points. Maybe that five point difference isn't worth the correlation. It probably is, right? You've already given up six points of projection just to get the lower owned player. Are you willing to give up five more points of projection in order to get the correlated player now? Probably not, right? So that's why they're, the levers are here. If you, if you played the other guy, you bumped up your projection but didn't have much leverage, maybe now you start pulling up the correlate. What's correlated to that high guy, right? So it's all these levers. So it's not about, it's not what's important and what's not important. Your whole lineup is based on these levers, okay? If you're playing cash games, you're probably just jamming up the projection lever and just that's it, right? But in GPPs, depending on the size of the contest, you're going to be moving your levers. Then you may have a lineup in a certain contest that has the levers that have the projection here, the correlation there, and the leverage there, right? It's like, in, like if you look at it from, from a one to 10 scale, it may be one contest you're doing eight, four, six. And another lineup you're doing six, two, eight. And another lineup you're doing nine, eight, three. And there, and if you looked at the expected value of each of the lineups, they may be equal to each other. One may be chalky, but have a lot of correlation in it. One may be not, not chalky, have no correlation to it. I mean, that's what lineups, not players means. And obviously the amount of, of everything else that, that, the w willingness to remove projection for correlation and leverage is dependent on the size of the contest. The larger the size, the more likely that you should be giving up projection in order to gain other things, get, get the other levers. Now in small, small field contests, since you don't need to hit the nuts, sometimes it's more worthwhile to, re to jam up the co correlation lever and say, I just, I just want to get one game right or two games right. I don't know which one is, I don't know which one of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett's going to get there, but I'm betting on the Seahawks Titans game. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to play Russell Wilson. I'm going to play Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Derrick Henry, and, and Julio Jones, and then whatever fits in the rest of the line. I'm not, I'm not sure if you could fit much in the rest of your lineup if you do it that way. And you're just going to go, I hope this game, this game puts up 60, 70 points and I can get it done. 
right? As long as I get like four touchdowns between D- Metcalf and Lockett, I don't care if all four go to one. So I don't having a zero in this lineup with everything else going nuts may still win me a small field GPP. Now a large field one, you're not going to be able to, you're probably not going to be able to win with a, a dud like that. So this is, this is, these are the levers. So it's not about one thing being important, one thing not being important. How important it is? No, it's, it's all important. Depending on the exact lineup, the individual lineup. You could show me a lineup that I look at for a certain contest and go, it's horrible. And then you could show me a lineup that is like a 2v2 off of that and go, that's an amazing lineup. And you go, well, what's the, what's the difference? Well, the lineup, the, the lineup that you're showing me next has a five-point higher projection right? 20% less ownership and more correlation. And I'm like, okay, like that, to me, that's a, why, if you had a choice between playing two lineups, why aren't you playing the much better lineup, right? Well, this one has whatever, I'm playing some 1% owned guy that projects like eight points lower than people in his position. I go, why do you, that isn't, you're, you're giving up too much projection for, for, but not that much leverage by doing a 1v, that's, that's that classic 1v1 Right, I'm going to take the highest. I'm going to take Najee Harris, and instead of playing Najee Harris, I'm going to go and I'm going to play a running back at the same price, similar price that projects eight points lower, and then leaving the rest of the lineup the same. And I go, well, that lineup sucks. He goes, why? I'm playing a one percent own guy. He says, you, you, yes, you you remove twenty percent of your ownership, some, and you dropped eight points in projection. You, if you wanted to drop eight points in projection while giving up 20% of your ownership sum, you could have done so in a much better way than a 1v1. You could have done a 4v4, and that lineup would still have the same amount of ownership sum, same amount of projection, but have a better chance at winning first place. Because this lineup is all based around, here's the chalk cash lineup, and I hope the 1% owned guy goes for 50 points. Like, that's the only way that it wins. Everything else in your lineup is still too chalk. That's why you have to look at individual lineups. Uh, Joe Stroop, why were you overweight on Brady, but so underweight on Gronk for the slant? Because Gronk did not project well. I had a lot of Brady single stacks. Brady plus one receiver. And who did they play? Who are they playing? I forgot. The Falcons. And then Ridley. Because I also had pits, right? A lot of times the, the, the Brady lineups would have pits as the run back to fill a tight end slot. So there. Uh, Kai Roach, does it make sense to use more standard deviations for my ceiling projection in contests with more entries and slates with more games? Why would you change that? I don't think it matters. You're still comparing them relatively. So I don't think it matters. What's the difference between the 75th percentile and 90th percentile in the grand scheme of things? You're not going to change. You're not going to, you're not, it's not going to change anything about your lineups. Are there, are, are there players out there that have, have such insanely different relative 90th, 95th percentile two standard deviation outcomes than other players that you couldn't judge it by the first standard deviation? I don't think so. If anything, it's a, what, you did a point, a half a point or something? I don't think it matters. The seal, I mean, if, if, you, if you're using the 75th or the 80th percentile or whatever, the 83rd, 84th, whatever, I think that's fine. What's wrong with that? 
I just, I don't understand. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some, someone, I, I don't look at the data that closely like that. But I can't see the lineups looking any differently using the 84th and versus the 95th. I mean, obviously I see the difference between the 50th and the, and the, and the 80th. But not the, between the 80th and the 90th. Because Derrick Henry's ceiling was really low. Derrick Henry's ceiling on the last slate wasn't low. It was low in comparison to McCaffrey and Kamara and Cook. That, that's all. And he was 8,800. I don't, I, I, Derek Henry, Derek Henry's uh, 90th percentile outcome is probably lower than McCaffrey's, probably lower than Kamara's and lower than Cook's. I mean, that makes sense. Because his projection was low from, so bump, if you want him, then bump him up, screw it. Then who cares what the model says? Because his projection was low for you. Let's get back. Let's get back to basics. What did we, what do we do? Okay. I missed, I, we, we looked at all those sharp players, right? Go into, go into the CSV of the Millie, of the Slant, and download all the people. All, all, look at the top 40, 50. Look at all the top people in Rotoverse on the rankings. Take a look at their Derrick Henry exposure. Virtually non-existent. Why? Because the projection was low. So if it was low for them, it's low for you. It probably is correct. Probably more correct, more accurate. So you still you're Kai, you're doing the you're doing the one slate mentality. What made me not get on Derrick Henry? Who cares? Did did 90% of the sharper players, 95% of the sharper players, 99% of the sharper players that played DFS, the most winning, profitable players in all of daily fantasy sports history. Most had none of them, or barely any. Okay, so what's more likely that your projection was wrong and everyone was wrong also or that your projection was right and it's confirmed by the fact that barely any any sharp player got Derrick Henry in their lineups. Occam's razor, it's more, it's more likely that the projection was accurate and doesn't mean Derrick Henry can't get there. But in comparison to the rest of the slate and the decisions you made in your lineups, Derrick Henry was was not was was not someone that was heavily prioritized or even you know getting into line. Most of the high end running backs were not getting into lineups at all, and that's confirmed by looking through. I mean, what are you going to do? Play? I want to play lineups that look nothing like a hundred of the sharpest players in the history of daily fantasy sports. Do you think that's? Do you think you could do that long term and be profitable? Yeah, on that one slate. Yes, on that one slate, if you went against all of the sharpest players in the history of daily fantasy sports, you would have gotten to Henry. You would have you would have played Gronkowski, and you would have won. You would have won a bunch of money. And then how about how about how about the other seventeen weeks? How about the other fifty slates? How about MLB? How about NBA? You're gonna not just play more. You can play more than one slate. Imagine if you're you're the uh, what what's the likelihood of you playing a thousand slates, and every time you look at the sharpest players in the history of daily fantasy sports, you're on the complete opposite side of all of them. Every single slate for a thousand slates, do you think you're going to be profitable? 
probably not. Probably going to be losing his be the biggest loser. So that's what you should be judging it by. Michael Biakalis. Why was slow? Why was low on Henry, who was the history of being a slate breaker, a bad play? He wasn't a bad play. I never said he was a bad play. I don't. I don't even think there's no such thing as plays. Michael, I would suggest like watching the pregame, this show, like watch all 300 episodes. No one is a bad play. No one other than injured players. Derrick Henry was not a bad play yesterday. Not at all. I have no, I have no issue if he played Derrick Henry yesterday whatsoever. I didn't. Why didn't I play Derrick Henry? Because he didn't fit into the lineups that were the most profitable. That's the reason. Not because Derrick Henry's a bad play. Because we're playing lineups. We're not playing players. So if I would have built Derrick Henry lineups, they would have projected lower than other similarly owned lineups. And why would I play lineups that have a lower projection with the same ownership? That's the question. Not Derrick Henry. That's not the question. Could you have built Derrick Henry lineups that were similar to other lineups you were playing. Yes, depending on the lineups that you were playing. Right? When I'm playing Josh Allen plus uh, uh, Stefan Diggs plus Emmanuel Sanders plus uh, Jalen Waddle plus Chris Carson plus, I mean, where does Derrick Henry fit into that line? That lineup projects for X at X at Y ownership. If I plug Derrick Henry in, I'm going to end up with another guy a 2v2 that ends up being higher owned and lower projected. So why am I playing that lineup? So I need to find Derrick Henry lineups that, that meet a criteria where it matches another lineup that I'm playing. And you know what? In 150, didn't find it. There weren't any. There were ones that had Kamara because Kamara was projected slightly higher. There were ones with McCaffrey. There were barely any ones with McCaffrey, but some. There were more with Cook, but I, I had Cook because I was playing the Cardinals game. Cook was more of a priority. He was uh, sli projected slightly more, and he was also correlated with the, the Arizona players that I was playing already. Derrick Henry wasn't. Derrick Henry, yes, I had some Metcalf, I have some Lockett, but to make Henry Lockett lineups with the rest of the other slots, seven other slots in the lineup, those lineups projected lower and were higher owned than the other lineups that I had in that range. And that's, that's how I don't get any Derrick Henry. That's how most of the sharper players don't. That's, that's the reason it has nothing to do with, I'm deciding not to play Derrick Henry. It's that the Derrick Henry lineups are not as good. We simulated this slate a million times. The Derrick Henry lineups weren't, would, would not perform as well as the Alvin Kamara lineups or the McCaffrey or the Cook lineups. Because we obviously take, or the Chubb lineups even, 8,200. Obviously, we're looking at like a similar construction like with that guy up there. So if you did that, then like who you prioritize? Most likely, none of the lineups with, that paid up at running back performed as well as the ones that paid down and paid up at wide receiver. And that's why more of those lineups were used. Well, it's about lineups. It's not about players. There's no such thing as a good or a bad play. Is Derrick Henry a good? Yes, he could always get 50. You're right. You're right. He can. So can anyone else. 
Why was Deontay Johnson a good play? I don't know. I mean, what's a good play and a bad play? The only way that these guys could be like awful plays is if they're priced to the point in which like it's, it would be in, almost impossible. If Deontay Johnson was 16,700 on a classic, yes, he's a horrible play. Yeah, but he has a ceiling. Yeah, but you're paying. You, why you? Why are you paying? He's Christian McCaffrey. Oh, he's, I'm going to play Christian McCaffrey. Thirty-four thousand. Why are you going to pay like two thirds of your salary on the one guy? He's obviously a horrible play at that price. Christian McCaffrey, three thousand min price, probably jamming into pretty much all of your lineups. So there's no such thing as a good play and a bad play. No one's ever. It, it, there's rarely ever going to be a guy. In, in football that's going to be so egregiously overpriced that they have zero, nearly a 0% shot at being in the optimal line, being in a, you know, GPP winning line. So that means that makes anyone could be a good play. Anyone, depending on the lineup that they're in. If you played uh, Derek Henry in a lineup that had a, if you played Derek Henry in a lineup with uh, uh, Zach Wilson, you played Zach Wilson plus Corey Davis, plus J- Jacoby Myers. You played, uh, you, you played, uh, D- let's go to an even, uh, D- Kenyon Drake, and you played a Zach Pascal one-off. And he like, I'm listing like all these single digit own guys. Like, why are you playing Derrick Henry in that one? I mean, like, like, dude, like that, you know, those levers? It's like, you're jamming this leverage, this leverage lever down so hard that your projection is just like, absurdly too low could it get there sure i guess so but it's probably negative it's probably negative eb yes yes you're right you're playing you're playing all one percent on but you're playing uh, your highest owned guy is is derrick henry at seven percent and then you're playing a whole bunch of three one to three percent on guys and if you look at your projection it's like 40 points below anyone else's is that is is it worth it for that much project to give up that much projection? Probably not. And if that lineup wins, it's still that's still a negative EV lineup. So you have to look through these types of things. Why were they a bad play? Don't I hate that word play? There's not no one's a play. There's lineups. There's nine players in a lineup. Is that a good lineup? Is that a bad lineup? Is that a plus EV or negative EV lineup? Not even, not even good or bad. That's what you should be concerned about. And you can learn a lot more about that in the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's my, it's my audio course. 15 hours long. I had to think like a professional DFS player. See all the chapters here? Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, a whole bunch of miscellaneous stuff. Got some quotes here. FAQ, everything. So 15 hours of me in your pocket. And you can listen to it multiple times. Obviously, you could go through this DFS pregame show I've been doing for, what, two years, year and a half? You could watch every show if you want and probably pick up pretty much everything that's in here. That's going to take you a long time. If you want one one stop reference source, go to theoryofdfs.com and get the course. And you'll understand more of what the hell I'm talking about. Lineups, not players. All of that is in here. And it applies to any sport. It's not just NFL. It's anything. It's not a coincidence that like, oh, the best players are the best players in like every sport. Like, oh, the top players in NFL also do well in NBA or also do well in 
NHL or also do well in MLB or MMA or like, like, why is that? Do, oh, they just know all the sports. No, most of most don't even watch sports. My hot, my most profitable sport is NBA. And I, I, I can't remember the last time I watched an NBA game. Can't even remember. I don't even like it. I don't like NBA. So how do you play the game of DFS? Theoryofdfs.com. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Like I said, Grinders Live later day for MLB. Uh, French time for premium members. So uh, if you're if you're in the premium Discord, I, I, I can always answer questions there. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description. And uh, tomorrow we'll, we'll, we'll finally take a kind of like a first look-see at the, at the, uh, the, the, the Sunday week three NFL slate and uh, go over DFS strategy, answering your questions as always, like I do Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.